Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And we welcome you all today. And we'll begin this morning with our morning prayer. I'm reading from page 263 of Miscellaneous Writings. How blessed it is to think of you as beneath the shadow of a rock, of a great rock in a weary land, safe in his strength, building on his foundation and covered from the devourer by divine protection and affection. Always bear in mind that his presence, power and peace meet all human needs and reflect all bliss. Mary Baker Eddy. Beautiful, thank you. And the watching point. Watch number 407. Watch that you not only recognize the spiritual fact, but claim your ability to retain a demonstrable knowledge of the fact. The fact cannot be changed since it is the eternal truth of being. Error can only claim to rob us of a realization of the fact. The 139th Psalm asserts, if we ascend into heaven, God is there. This is the eternal fact. But the same Psalm assures us that if we descend into hell, God is also there. This is the fact Thus, the fact is still true, even though the claim is present that man has lost his knowledge of the fact. Hell ceases to be hell when we can realize that God is ever-present, guarding and guiding us. Once Mrs. Eddy's horses bolted, a student called out, There is no fear to no avail. Mrs. Eddy declared, Princess, you are not afraid. And at once the horse was quieted. From God's standpoint, the fact is that there is no fear. But from man's standpoint, he must know that he is not afraid in order to claim a knowledge of the fact. If the fact is the string, then knowing the fact is using the string to wrap up your bundle. Many students go around with plenty of string, which they do not use in a practical way. Thank you. Okay, comments on that. Well, one thing I have loved about the roundtables through the years is, you know, when I first got here, there was, uh, I had a thought that, oh, these people have it together, but I don't think I'll ever be able to do that. But the roundtables have helped to show me that, you know, each of us can do it. And I've always been so, so appreciative of that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's, 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 uh, it's important to realize God did not make us incapable of knowing him <laughs> and of being his image and likeness. You know. God made man in his image and likeness. 
Well, that means you're capable of being that image and likeness. <laughs> man is, God has made man capable of this. Lawrence? Well, it wouldn't make any sense <clears throat> to make us incapable. I mean, it doesn't make sense to, if we are to become that or if we are to know that. I think that's better to, yeah. to know it, to be awakened to it. If we are capable of doing that, uh, I mean, it wouldn't make any sense for him to make us incapable of something he wants us to be able to do. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it, but it just doesn't make, it wouldn't make sense. Mm -hmm. No, that's right. Makes usually, sense. Yeah. I mean, usually we know that this is, all error has a basis of either fear, ignorance, or what is it, fear, ignorance, or sinfulness. So we, if we let that go, we are able to do what God wants us to do, which is to be the image and likeness of himself. Thank you. A lot of people seem to have this problem, though. They can memorize, they, they study, they memorize everything. They have all, as Carpenter says, the spring, but then they can't seem to apply it in their lives. And that is just, that is a, an illusion of animal magnetism that makes you think that. That's why we claim, we claim the dominion. We demand that we can do these things. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with claiming your dominion and, and demanding that you can you can be God's expression. Uh, Carrie sent me again some beautiful articles, one, one I particularly loved called God's Plentiful Supply by um, Ethel Monroe Goss. And she says in there, because God is all and man is his image and likeness, we have a right to all those things which are needed to manifest that man, to express the qualities of dignus, dig dignity, serenity, and the beauty of holiness. We need not be satisfied with the tawdry or the mean, but as we mentally lay hold of and try to reflect the spiritual qualities of the real man, shall we not naturally manifest all that is necessary to express them? For then we are seeking first the kingdom, and it is promised that all things shall be added. So, Remember this, that you have the ability to express, to be the image and likeness of God. Naming the opinion reminded me of the article Possession by Mary Baker Eddy. Mm -hmm. about taking possession of what God gives us is a step leading to get God giving us what we desire. If you take possession of what is at hand for you, it becomes the loaves and fishes for you, the basis for multiplication. Yeah, and I think also the the sense of humility, where it becomes really self depreciation. Um, your this constant doing that is not good at all. I mean, it, it's really uh, dishonoring God, isn't it? I think um, it, it's better to, like uh, Jeremy is saying, possess or make claim to what God has given us, what he has made us to be, than to constantly, oh, I'm no good, he, he does, I'm not worthy, he does, you know, all this negativity about self. It's really dishonors God instead. Thank you, yes, absolutely. And here we do connect the dots. We can 
not just study and read about it, but live it and find those changes transpiring in your life. And it's interesting where it says, hell ceases to be hell when we can realize that God is ever-present, guarding and guiding us. Very important to, if, if any of you have ever been in a hellish situation or are in one now, to claim this God is all and that he is with you right now and you will you can be lifted up out of the worst situation possible but you must declare it despite everything that the physical senses are telling you you can't just go down under it and think oh it's hopeless it's not hopeless declare that truth it's i picture like you know some of those what's that machine that comes with the big thing that picks stuff up and <laughs> oh the claw yeah, claw the claw. yeah well, i'll just see that it's coming for you it's gonna pick you up out of that hellish situation like and, that. and lift you out of it but you've got to trust god declare that truth and uh don't well, give up and, and also this is why we have to handle old theology yeah because it's all around us and it's a general belief that you were born a sinner and you're destined to, you know, you're destined to hell unless some magic show comes along and, and, you know, and what's, what is that magic show? Well, it's superstition. So, you know, a lot of people are coming out of the belief that they're not capable, that they're not God endowed, that somehow God is mysterious and God is separate. So we need we need to be aware that that is a general belief for a lot of people in the world, and if we handle and if we handle that for everybody else, it, it will help us. Thank you. That's a great point. Yeah, thank you. That's such an aggressive claim. It is, and you know we have this beautiful subject today on soul which to me is always the beauty and joy of, of the Lord. But in, in her forum, Louise, in her forum, this week's forum, she, she takes out, up old theology um, by quoting Martha Wilcox in a association address of 1923, the synonyms. We don't have that, but it's on the evidently available from the bookmark. And she says, as I understand it, each one of those synonyms is, is intended to unfold a fundamental truth or fact about God and thereby uncover and destroy a basic error of mortal belief. Here are some highlights from her section on soul. Mrs. Eddy clearly shows us in her writings that without a correct understanding of the word soul, it would be impossible to overcome sin, disease and death. A false sense of soul is most prevalent throughout the world. This false sense claims, first, nearly everybody believes that the bodies of mortal mortals are mortal. Second, nearly everybody believes that soul is a reality in a mortal body. Third, nearly everybody believes that these bodies contain immortal souls which continue forever and that these bodies must die in order that these souls may escape. <laughs> it is the theory that death must occur to set free the human soul from its environment. 
This false sense of soul in the body is the basis of all false religions, Roman Catholicism, false theology, spiritualism, etc. All experiences of separation, loss, and poverty are the result of the greatest superstitions. This false sense of soul confined in a mortal body. The first fundamental fact, there is one soul, offsets the basic error that there are many souls. The second fundamental fact, that soul is unconfined, offsets the basic error that there is a soul in each mortal body. The third fundamental fact, that soul is reflected by man, offsets the basic error that the greater is in the lesser. That is a really wonderful... <laughs> explanation and it is so true we're all affected by these beliefs that are so prevalent that the majority of people in the world think this about soul so thank you louise for finding that because it really hits home the truth about it and that's just what gary was saying old theology and if you don't handle old theology it will handle you i mean that's what we're all taught. We're going to die and some soul's going to fly out from us. Or, I mean, somewhere I was taught that too <laughs> in my Presbyterian days. Any comments on that? Well, could I share something about soul? Yes. I found it late last night, did no young, 1937, in a college. Soul is the substance of all beauty, the principle, the activity the law of all that is beautiful. It is impulsion of all true expression. Man is a state of revelation, spontaneously showing forth soul. Thank you. It, it is beautiful. I, I love his definition of soul. That's in the 1937 college. And, um, and that is where he speaks of it as beauty, joy, all those beautiful qualities, um, and gets away from this, all theology belief of it. So thank you, Shardell. Before we go any farther, I just wanted to say that um, this Saturday, September 17th, will be the start of our Bible study. Um, it's a, so please mark that on your calendar, and then the other dates will be forthcoming. I don't know, Tom, do you want to say anything about it? Oh, sure. Um, so we're going to continue from where we were at the end of um, the last season in July, June, right? Um, and uh, I haven't checked, but uh, uh, Linda will be posting a um, couple things to read beforehand. I think that'd be really good. Now, the readings I picked um, are ones that are already in the notes. I've mentioned before that, you know, after Bible study, we should go back and check the notes because some very very good stuff is print uh, is is posted there that people have uh, submitted and Melinda's uh, found. So, um, but anyway, I think there are a couple of good things there. One of them is um, by uh, Carolyn Getty, if I remember that name correctly. Um, I think what she wrote was absolutely wonderful. I'd never heard of her before, but I read up on her. She sounds fantastic. Uh, and the other is. Uh, it's about uh, reading and studying Revelation and the blessings we get from it. Those are kind of my words, but you can read what Linda Post. Thank you. 
Thank you very much. We look forward to that. And, and then it will continue um, one Saturday a month. I'm so glad we're picking up from before. That's great. Yeah, it's great because it'll keep our momentum going. And yeah, thank you. Thank you all. Thank you, Tom. All right. So, yes, this beautiful subject on soul. I also liked what um, Jasmine posted, is quoting from the first edition of Science and Health. Life is soul outside of personal sense. This is the stepping stone to the understanding of soul, which to know a right is eternal life. And then she, she wrote, there is great joy in having soul as a constant companion and learning of its illimitable capacity. And I love that because soul, God, is our constant companion. And um, again, what Louise wrote, that you, you won't be able, to, it, it was impossible to overcome sin, disease, and death if you have a false sense of soul. So this is a very important topic, isn't it? Subject. Yeah. You know, so we will get deeper into it and mainly learn how you are the expression of soul and nothing can limit that i think that's what what's been helpful for me is to identify with soul as my identity and if that's my identity then it is a spiritual individuality and that's why uh, sin disease and death can be overcome with that understanding thank you Yes, and, and it's always best to focus on the real to get to know what the truth is. As we talked about last week, then you can see the counterfeiter, see what's false. If we, if we focus too much on all that's wrong, then it's not helpful. It's what I loved about the watch this week. It says that it's a fact, and the fact can't be changed. So it doesn't matter what error tries to present. It's a fact. I, I don't know. For some reason, the way he worded it just really helped me. With, and I love the idea. That's why we have to focus on the facts. Somehow it just. That's it. That keeps you from getting mesmerized. Well, and, and, and to recognize the facts apply to you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. They apply to you. Reminds me of that old cop show, Just the Facts, ma'am. I forget what that is. Yeah, and I like Lil, Lil will often say very simply, "If God, if if God doesn't have it, how can I have it?" Right. You know, mm -hmm. true about God, how can it be true about me? That's that's right alignment. It's a simple thought, but it's powerful because it is true. Mm -hmm. So, go back to that. Keep it simple and pure and does tremendous things. Okay, um, Lil, you want to read the golden text, please? He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Thank you. All right. Let's see. Jeremy, you wrote about that. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know it's been mentioned here a lot about how name and nature are sort of interchangeable sometimes. So it got me thinking about it. 
and I looked up the definition of sake uh, just to make sure I was attributing the right things to it. And that is the primary sense is to strain, urge, press, or drive forward. And then it's also the final cause, the end, the purpose, or the, the purpose for of obtaining. So, I don't know, I just got this thought to, like, reword it with that, to, uh, he restoreth my nature as the expression of soul. God leadeth me in the way of righteousness, or uh, to press or drive me forward for the purpose of obtaining the understanding of his nature as the great I am, the all-knowing, all-seeing, all-acting, all-wise, all-loving, and eternal, principle, mind, soul, spirit, life, truth, love, all-substance, intelligence. And then uh, I was just thinking how the, the understanding of his nature is Christian science. So i just grateful to go through that. Yeah, that's really dissects it. And... Um... Remember, it is God that's leading you. And a uh, definition of righteousness. This was, there's another beautiful article Carrie sent called the 23rd Psalm by Henry Nunn. It's from an old 1898 journal. So righteousness, purity of heart and rectitude of life, conformity of heart and life to the, conformity of heart and life to the divine law, nearly equivalent to holiness, comprehending holy principles and affections of the heart, and conformity of life to the divine law. It includes all we call justice, honesty, and virtue with holy affections. In short, it is true religion. It's a beautiful definition. I'm sure that's the 1828 dictionary. But my gosh, think of that. Think of that God is re is leading you into those paths. If you let him, so let him. It's a glorious thought. And in and, and letting him, and, and you will find your true purpose and all satisfaction in it. And then for his name's sake, well, what Jeremy said, and also just for his glory. He's doing this for his glory, not for your glory. <laughs> so if you're finding, you know, you don't know where your right place is, put down all your human will and what you think you want. And just let God lead you. And then focus on all these beautiful thoughts in the definition of righteousness and it will unfold because it is within you to know who and what you are and what you need to be doing and, and it will give you tremendous joy and I think that that is what the psalmist means when he wrote he restoreth my soul it's not that you have a soul separate from God, but it restores your inner peace, your inner spiritual being. It gets you back to where you really are as the image and likeness of God. Yes. From that definition of righteousness, you mentioned the word conformity. 
it just made me think oh, that's on us <laughs> you know we, we're the ones that have to conform so that's it and that's conformity that's right sense of the word not conformity to popular opinion but conformity to god's ways and the word restore also from the 1828 dictionary to replace or return to a person a specific thing he has lost to bring back recover from recover from lapse or ruin from its former state to heal to cure to recover from disease to repair to rebuild to reestablish or renew after interruption as in a as in peace or friendship to revive to resuscitate to bring back to life wow that's a lot right mm -hmm. he's doing all that for you especially if you feel you've lost something and that can be you know a lot of testimonies given about a lost item but it can also be lost opportunities um just maybe lost joy lost joy lost hope mm -hmm. loss of health um, <laughs> loss of trust so remember he restores that if you let him and it doesn't matter how long it's gone on or how far gone it seems to be because in truth you never really lost anything right in truth absolute the fact is never lost right yeah, the fact is never <laughs> lost thank you i see you once your soldier story then you i think only then you can make any progress spiritually you understand god more progress beyond what you you have done better works better thank you and I like where he says also, I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. I think that's such a big one because all, most of the time you think, oh, all those years, some, some people will say, I've been a Christian scientist all these years and I didn't know this, what I'm learning now. But God will restore all those years too. Thank you. I, I love that. Yes. I think of that often, you know, sometimes, yeah, lost time or maybe mm -hmm. things you think will never happen again in the chosen. I forget what, when it comes up, but someone was bemoaning. Matthew and Philip. Oh, okay. Talking. Yeah. Matthew and Philip. Yeah. And Matthew mm -hmm. was bemoaning what lost. Yeah. That he missed the opportunity to, you know, learn about God and all the verses to go to the school yeah, yeah whatever that school was and philip's answer was you didn't lose anything it times has been rearranged the time has been <laughs> rearranged isn't that beautiful that's beautiful <laughs> so remember that your time has been rearranged you know maybe you learned some lessons early on that you obviously needed to learn and so now's your chance to learn about the science but and remember, too, we've got eternity to be doing this, so we mustn't be fussing over time. Time is a mortal belief of limitation, and you are unlimited. That was what was brought out with, I think, Jasmine wrote, 
that soul. Unlimited, unlimited opportunities, all good. So, yeah, I think of that. Just rearrange. <laughs> yeah, I, I told Shardell once we're just a couple of kids, but kids in eternity. So. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of kids in eternity, that's right. <laughs> so, and also in the 23rd Psalm article, it was put this way about he restoreth my soul. We find in our textbook that the word soul used in this connection means spiritual sense. Spiritual sense is the understanding of God good, the realization of harmony, health, and holiness. Era has seemed a dull man's perception, just as smoked glasses held before the eyes make all objects appear indistinct and blurred to mortal sense. To restore the normal perception, in one case, it is only necessary to remove the smoke glasses. Perception was not lost, but veiled. So with a spiritual sense or perception, a false belief in the reality of material things and of sin, sickness, and death has beclouded the vision. So we can get rid of that cloud and see clearly that um, behold, behold is to see what is really there. And that is why even if you seem to be in hell, that is just a lie. Of the lie. It's a clouded vision. It's a clouded vision. Therefore, declaring that truth to that situation, even though everything opposite, your senses are screaming the opposite, hang on. That machine with the claw is going to come get you <laughs> and lift you up out of there. <laughs> but it's more reliable than a real claw machine. <laughs> <laughs> Much more reliable. It's it's thoughtless, thoughtless, and it's work. Right, which is why you know when 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 we're in a corner and things seem dark, demand the blessing. There's a blessing in every experience. No matter what you're going through, there is a blessing. So demand it. I mean, the, you know, the least you can do is say, God, show me the blessing <laughs> in this. I'll do whatever you want. Just show me the, you know, show me the blessing. Thank you. That's it. There's a blessing. There's lessons to be learned. And no one is ever too far gone. You're, you're God's identity. And he maintains his identity. It's another thing we'll discuss soon. But first, um, Linda, you want to talk about your forum of the hairs of your head being numbered? Yes, I just went along with the reading that we had for instruction from No Big Power Veto. And he wrote with uh, addressing the hairs on your head, quote, the highest form of prayer or Christian science treatment is a process of listening to and hearing God's voice in your heart, bearing witness to the perfection of all. This mental attitude which heals instantaneously can only take place in your consciousness as you realize God's closeness and love for you, as you truly recognize that your hairs are all numbered by the Father, end quote. Thank you. Oh, that was beautiful. It is. It is. You know, to dwell on these things, to think about all of these beautiful things, 
I know sometimes people are worried about their hair loss and other things. Well, all your hair is numbered. So that's the antidote to these these lies. And they're all lies, usually of aging or other things. But it doesn't have to be. Um, in in a couple of articles Carrie sent, there were some beautiful references to flowers that I just loved in their beauty, the way it was expressed. So we all love the flowers. Um, and again, to bring out your expression of soul, you know, think of yourself as a flower. Think of how many flowers there are. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and have you ever just looked at a garden or even a tree like the dogwood trees in the spring? And every one of them is so perfect. The blossoms. It's amazing. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> I, I went a lot of years not paying attention to any of that stuff, but the last few years I've really started to see it. And it is it's amazing. It's amazing. Now this article, and I, I want it on the carousel, it, it is really, it brings out some wonderful points on supply. It's called God's Plentiful Supply by L. Ethel Monroe Goss. And it quotes in Science and Health, which is in our lesson this week, the divine mind maintains all identities from a plate of, blade of grass to a star as distinct and eternal. And then the radiant rough-stemmed sunflower never tries to imitate the stately lily's fragile loveliness. It wastes none of its time longing to be the glowing velvet rose. Yet no drop of bitterness hinders its message of joyous vitality as it nods its golden face in sun and moon. The lily breathes its, breathes its pure, serene message to those who need it and fills and all are clothed upon to express an idea of divine mind. They toil not, neither do they spin to express the beauty of holiness. Behind toil and drudgery is fear, fear of the morrow, fear of old age, fear of a rainy day, this is a false law which ever tries to oppose the revelation of spirit and would hinder dominion. There is no fear, no emulation, no false pride in the Father's business. Stately lily and wayside flower each in its own place, joyfully declaring the allness of God. Now, isn't that true? And then this, and this is from the Psalm 103, as a flower of the field. And the name of this is called, What the Flowers Say. Let us listen to the preaching of the flowers today. What did they say to us? One thing they all say is, trust God. God takes care of the flowers and sends them dew and rain and sunshine and fresh air and they tell us that the same God who cares for them cares also for us. And next, I think, all the flowers say to us, thank God. See how the daisies in the meadow seem to look up thankfully to God. Someone says that God smiles on the earth and that the earth smiles back again with its flowers. Next, the flowers say to us, be contented. They are quite satisfied to grow and smell sweet and look pretty in the place where God puts them. 
Now, just as God plants the flowers in a certain place, some up high on the hills, others down in the valley, some in the queen's greenhouse, others in the cottager's garden, so he puts you children in your right place. What else do the flowers say to us? I think they say, keep in the sunshine and be happy. Mm-hmm. You always find that flowers are on the sunny side of things. So ought we to be. There is another thing which the flowers say to us. Be sweet. There is nothing so delicious as to go into a flower garden after a warm shower and to smell the sweet scents. Well, God has sent you into the garden of this world to be sweet like the flowers. I think that's just so beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, it's so simple. And we so can. True. And so true. Did <laughs> say to bleed sweetly? Yeah, I was thinking of that too. She told her students to bleed sweetly, not to let yourself grow bitter when often rebuked. To bleed. Or persecuted. Or persecuted, yes. <coughs> she used to say that too. She did. Yeah, she would quote that. And um, another thing I turned to this week was notes from association addresses by Una Willard, 1943 to 1946. We we have that. If anyone wants it, she was a a teacher during that time in the uh, in Oregon. And anyway, she just writes some most delightful things. I just love this. It's, she's so wise. And she speaks, because it's always impressed me, she speaks about perfume. And she says, <laughs> Florence laughs, she remembers. <laughs> we are careful with our perfume and with the flowers we bring into a room. But a thousand times more important is the atmosphere that each of us has brought here today. Each thought we think is sending into this presence either joy, support, inspiration, and constructive stimulation, or the dull, musty odor of timidity or the sharp, disagreeable smell of self-importance. I have known a most daintily groomed person to bring into a room such an atmosphere of self, self, either egotistic, hurt pride, or self-effacement, as to cause an awkward silence and positively produce a musty odor. (laughs) What we want is the sweet odor of of forgiveness, the scented flowers of humility, the pungent odors of majesty and power, the woodsy smells of peace and rest, the perfume of joy, gladness, and gratitude and the fragrance of real love. You are not only giving forth an atmosphere filled with fragrance, but also one illumined with color. So this, this, my friends, is the expression of soul. So what odor are you bringing into a group? Are you full of love and joy and gratitude? And are you a happy presence? To be with or are you carrying in yesterday's problems and you're irritated and your knee hurts or <laughs> self me myself and I and I am sure you know this does 
positively affect how some people do smell better than others. <laughs> you know, what What was it said? Something about Mrs. Ed, Eddie that she didn't take a bath for seven years or something. Remember that? It was a, yeah. yeah. Well, it was to prove that even, even so, she smelled very sweet because of her thought. I'm not suggesting that for anybody. <laughs> she only said that after somebody commented on how sweetly she smelled. Oh, thank so. you. Florence, did you want to say something? You obviously remember, remembered reading all this. No, I, I loved uh, Una Willis. I was looking at Tori for years, and then, of course, it was on our side. It, it, it points to what's in thought all the time. What are we holding in our consciousness? This is what ex expresses outwardly to others. You know, if somebody might look at you and they will smile because they get it. They feel your thought. The thought is pure. It's beautiful. It's saying something beautiful about them. And it's just wonderful to, to see um, the extent with which what we hold in our thinking is expressed out there. Yes. Thank you. So true. So be be that beautiful expression like the flowers and be content with where God puts you and and trust his care and he will care for you and it doesn't matter you know what kind of flower you are does it? No. No, or where you were planted or what color you are or what your scent is <laughs> or whatever. God made you beautiful because he made all creation beautiful. Just be the flower you are. Be the flower you are. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it does point to the importance of filling your consciousness with the truth. Fill it with divine mind so that there's no room for all the false mortal beliefs to come in and screw things up for you. So that's why we start our day thanking God for life, truth, and love, reading the lesson, reading his word to us, the inspired word of the Bible in our textbook. And that fills your heart with a lovely fragrance that you can carry with you all day. Yeah, and go, going out to bless the world with that. Just as the, as the beautiful, that's why so many of us, most of us do love nature, because of the lessons it speaks of, the beauty that it is. Um, it, you know, it, it doesn't even, even if you live in the city, um, you know, just the magnificence of a tree planted, a tree grows in Brooklyn, right? <laughs> or wherever. <laughs> or maybe you have a beautiful plant in your home that you love. Or, or you can, anywhere you are, you can see the beauty of a sunset or a sunrise um, and see the beauty in each other. And this is expressing soul. So this, this whole article, God's Plen Plentiful Supply, makes some wonderful points about supply. And supply, you know, is also part of soul, right? Because when you're expressing soul, you have all that you need, just as the flowers everything you need and she says when the problem of lack or limitation keeps recurring in our experience it must signify that in some way we have not grasped the spiritual facts which are needed to heal this discord 
we may have thought of the problem in a merely perfunctory way, dismissing it with a vague general statement of all, the allness of God. It perhaps is not the same spur to our mental activity as is a question of pain or an ugly deformity. Or we may struggled along and hopelessly, we may have struggled along and hopelessly, and the heavens have seemed as brass. Mankind is tempted to say, as in the days of Moses, my power and the might of mine hand have gotten me this wealth. When all human means fail, when to material sense the supply is still so inadequate to the demand, we have need still to pray, as Elisha did for his servant, that our eyes may be opened, that we may be able to see spirits ever-present supply, or to rejoice with Habakkuk in the God of our salvation, though all the apparent sources of supply are closed up. And it goes on, and it just brings out um, various things that could limit our our supply. And um, our reward comes also in a greater love for our neighbor, as our thought is cleansed of any sense of superiority, class distinction, snobbery, and all the etceteras of mortal mind which judge by the outward appearance. Now, this is very important because people can easily get into that, this have and have nots, and some people are better than others. And maybe if you think you're better and have more money or whatever else, you think you're better than everybody else. Well, don't be surprised if your supply suddenly stops. Or if the other, you think that some people have more than you do and God isn't just, all of these things would block your sense of supply. I love um, what... Una Willard says about this too. The refusal of private advantage is essential to thinking. Self-interest colors, distorts, and deforms all thinking. Private advantage. That some people are more advantaged, have more advantages than someone else. As a lie, it's not to be accepted. It creeps in so easily. But if you do that, you are limiting your own supply. And you're also maybe coveting someone else's, which gets you into disobeying commandments. So that this is keeping our purity pure, <laughs> pure, keep the streams pure. Don't indulge in this type of thought. So... It also says there is just one place for each of us to be, and that is where our one particular note is needed in the universal harmony. No one else can fill this place, and we have all we need to express this spiritual idea. And then again, the quote, the divine mind maintains all identities from a blade of grass to a star as distinct and eternal that is you. Claim it. Don't get pulled off by negative things. It would make you think otherwise. Because that leads into the trail of confusion and unhappiness. And um, But if you're there, remember, God restores your soul. <laughs> He'll bring it all back. Indeed. Indeed. So... 
And I love, too, in the lesson, it says that evil has no reality. It is neither person, place, nor thing, but is simply a belief and illusion of material sense. So remember that. Um, it seems to be person, place, or thing, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. So you can just say, "I, you can't fool me. You're not. I don't believe it. It is animal magnetism posing as person, place, or thing. And animal magnetism is a belief that there's a power other than God. And then you can say, aha, I got you. I got you, you little squirmy liar. <laughs> You're not going to make me believe there's a reality in you, person, place, or thing, whatever you're calling it. You're just trying to make me think there's a power other than God, and I will not come down from the mount. I, I will. Am master of this occasion. <laughs> a master of this occasion. Thank you. You will find what this will do wonderful things. And if you don't believe me, just try it. Yeah, try it. Refuse to attach even to a person. I mean, there are a lot of people in this world that a lot of people, other people attach evil to. And they only harm themselves by doing so. So refuse to attach evil to a person. Refuse to attach it to a place, a nation, a country, a religion, or any other thing. And you'll find that it will free you beyond what you could ever imagine. Holding any of those attachments, it's really denying God's allness too, right? Doesn't you, make sense. You are, you slip into that. And so these are all ways you maintain your expression as, as God's own child. And um, But how and much advertising on TV... Tells you tries to tell you that there is an evil attached to something and you need to buy their product sure. or vote for their person to get rid of that evil, right? Mm -hmm. It's all a lie. Hello. Hello. Uh, um, I'm just sharing uh, about an experience um, there was a lot of discomfort. I was probably a teenager at that time. A lot of discomfort. My parents got me to doctors, specialists, everything. Nobody could really even say what, what it was, of course. It, it was nothing we know. But uh, it, this, this discomfort happened twice in a place. I had to go there and I it was a very, very bad thing that I would feel. And I started to think that that place, I shouldn't go to that place because that thing, you know, had happened there twice. And I'm just giving this as a simple example of how we think of error as place. And through the study of Christian science, of course, uh, this was completely healed. Um, and also, 
I got to learn, oh, I don't have to be afraid of any place because error is not a place. But it seemed very real that if I went to that place, because it had happened twice, I would get that discomfort again. And I just it just came to me to uh, share that as an example. And also, we, we don't need to really uh, talk to error. I learned because then we're making it real. Uh, once what we say you, we are making something and it's nothing. So um, we hear that a lot. That's why I mentioned it, just to bless. Thank you. Very we don't talk to error directly because it's nothing. We're making it something. Thank you for all the wonderful things. Yes. We share. Well, we're going to end now on a beautiful article about trusting God, which talked about the flowers trusting God. This is, I thought, very beautifully expressed. This is an excerpt from an article by F. Mildred Rickman in a 1914 issue of Sentinel or Journal. Well, anyway, entitled Trust in God. An incident which occurred while visiting some friends a short time ago has proved helpful to me in overcoming a sense of timidity and a want of confidence, which was apt to assert itself when occasion demanded that I should apply what understanding I had gained of Christian science toward helping others. We had been listening to a young violinist whose fine touch and technical skill, as well as the sense of harmony with which she played, had greatly pleased us all. The pleasure we had in listening was increased by the fact that she played entirely from memory. I could not refrain from mentioning this to her and asking how she had been able to commit so much music to memory so that she could play with absolute confidence. She replied, Of course, one has to learn thoroughly and practice perseveringly, and then one has to trust. Mm -hmm. How often since then I have thought of her reply, from which I learned a lesson. Our leader says, quote, You should practice well what you know, and you will then advance in proportion to your honesty and fidelity. End quote. That's page 449, Science and Health. This was just what the young violinist had done in her musical studies, so that, having studied thoroughly and practiced perseveringly, for the rest, she could trust. And so, when the occasion offers itself in which we may speak a helpful word to one in need, let us not hesitate, doubting whether our understanding is sufficient, wondering if we shall voice the right thought. Did not the Master say, It shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak? For it is not ye that speak but the spirit of your father, which speaketh in you. End quote. Expression of soul. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.